This episode is brought to you by Ciderbox. Ciderbox by Cider House is your subscription to hard-to-find, terror-driven, fine craft cider from American Heritage Cider Makers. You can find them at ciderbox.com. There's no E in Ciderbox, just deliciousness. C-I-D-R-B-O-X.com. This is Inez. And this is Kathy. And together we are XX Will Travel. Uh, today we are in part five of our series, How to Plan a Trip from Scratch. And we are going to talk about accommodations. Where do you stay? Why should you stay there? And what should you do once you do stay there? And what are some crappy things that have happened when you're staying where you probably shouldn't have been? Exactly. So we're just going to dive right in, and we're going to break down the pros and cons of every type of accommodation you could go to. So let's start with hotels and resorts. What are some of the pros, Kathy? Consistent service, amenities, and um, easy to book, because you can book them all through major, like Expedia, Booking.com. You can book them very easily from any website. I agree. I think cleanliness is a pretty good factor. They tend to be comfortable, and they also tend to be better about guest services just because they're so big. Yes, yes. That they can kind of cater to your needs. What are the cons? It's really hard to meet people when you stay at a hotel. You're isolated. You're in your own space. Um, A lot of people are there for business. They're not there to mingle. So that would be a big, that's a big con for me. I agree. Obviously, the cost is another con. They tend to be more expensive than any other option you have. But I also think there's something a little cold about them. Yes. You don't get too much of an authentic or original feel. A Marriott around the world will look like every other Marriott around the world. Right, exactly. So let's go down the list. How about B&Bs, bed and breakfasts, inns, and smaller independently owned hotels pros you can interact with as many people as you want (laughs) they also tend to have a lot of character and a lot of charm they might be cheaper probably cheaper and they do tend to have a little bit more of a local feel right but there's also cons like with anything in life con you might have to interact with everybody (laughs) It's true. Also, fancy amenities are not really their thing. They can provide a really nice room and possibly breakfast, but anything that's a little more extensive than that, and you're on your own. And I find that sometimes in B&Bs, they have curfews or a time that you must be back inside or you will get locked out. Yes. So you have to check for that. Now we turn to one of my nearest and dearest, hostels. Pros, cheap, chance to interact with everybody. Also, a lot of them are staffed by young locals, so you get a chance to interact with people from the area. Yes, and they tend to be very budget-friendly, which also means that when you ask for recommendations, they also gear you towards budget-friendly. Some are great sources of partying, Mm -hmm. depending on how much of a loud vibe you want. And I agree that's probably the one where it's, easiest to meet and make friends 
Now the cons. Possibly dirty. It's more than likely that you will share a room, not just with one person, but with six other people. And there is a nightmare called hostile dorm sex, which I've been unfortunately witness to. Oh. Yeah. They was okay. We applauded at the end. (laughs) It was a good show. (laughs) They also can kind of be in their own way, their own tourist traps. Like, it's so easy to just spend the days drinking at a hostel. Then we have the new, the new boy in town, if you will, Airbnb. Airbnb, pros, privacy, cost, chance to live like a local. Mm-hmm. I also like where they usually are in terms of a city. They tend to be out of the most frequented areas and you get a really neighborhood feel. And... I do agree that privacy is good. You also have full access a lot of times to kitchens, which can cut down on costs Mm -hmm. in terms of going out to eat. What are some of the cons? Well, it could be a nightmare situation, like especially (laughs) in larger cities where they're not it's not really regulated, like New York City. I've heard horror stories of people who come in expecting one thing, judging by the pictures on the website and basically have to be evacuated because the place is not fit for living. Yes. And I will have to say that I think Airbnbs are great for when you're traveling with someone else or in a group. But if you're traveling alone and you actually want the whole space to yourself, as opposed to just a room in a private home, I don't know how cost effective it is. It's still cheaper than a hotel, but not by much. But I think that since Airbnbs have been getting bigger and more common, especially in major cities, I find that a lot of them are comparable to the cost of hotels. Yes. I think their prices have gone up and hotels have kind of tried to match their prices Mm -hmm. by taking theirs down a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if you stay in a room with a local, I guess you have to talk to them, which I'm not super fond of. Not the local part. I'm just not very fond of talking to strangers if I don't want to. <laughs> right, right. When you just want to go to your room and unwind, you don't want to be forced to socialize if you're tired. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, an exciting option out there. I will not lie. Right. And then finally, we have the perennial. In other words, just crashing on the couch of a friend or a family member or an acquaintance or a stranger or an ex-boyfriend. Or anyone you have some sort of connection with. However tenuous that connection may be. So what are the pros of just staying at someone's house? Pros! Unless your friends are assholes, it's free. It is! It totally is. And because your friends are probably living there, they will give you all the local tips. They will show you places that are cool and off the beaten path. And that can be super amazing. What are the cons? Cons. A lot of my friends have children now, so you will not only be sharing the space with your friends, but with their kids. And children tend to be early risers. They do. Mm-hmm. They, they have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I would also say that con is if you are like me and you need to just have a couple of hours to yourself to unwind... Being at a friend's house can sometimes feel like you're constantly on. Right. Because you don't want to be ungrateful. So at least I feel the pressure of always interacting with them and making sure that they're also having fun as well as I am having fun. And sometimes couches are uncomfortable. Right. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) It could be a futon. Yes. It could be like my thing is people who have the trendy like art 
what is it? Like the trendy mid-century modern minimalist <laughs> couches? Yes. Not very comfy for sleeping. Not at all. And nobody has sleeper sofas anymore, so good luck. They really don't. I mean, who even has the space for that? That's right. another thing. Let's face it. We're all living in tiny, tiny pods at this point because of real estate prices. Right. So that's kind of the general gist of where you can stay. Kathy, which one do you like the most? I like um, guest houses, like between a hotel and a B&B. Guest houses are usually bigger. They're still staffed by locals. And they might have amenities, I guess. You can still meet people, but you can also get a private room. I don't know. I guess that's, that is my preference. Yeah. And they're often cheaper than hotels, so you still get the local perspective with more privacy than a hostel or a B&B. Mm-hmm. I'm actually still a fan of youth hostels, but with certain caveats, because I know that I'm aging out. And part of that is I will splurge for the private room. Usually that means that I am alone in a room with three other beds because that's how hostels work. They just make you pay for those beds that are not going to be used by other guests. But to me, it is a godsend because I have my privacy, yet I have all the social possibilities of being in a hostel. And I think hostels have changed a lot, especially in the last decade, because of competition from Airbnb and cheaper hotels in most cities. Uh, They cater a lot towards families now. Mm -hmm. They cater a lot to people who are older than... 20, you know, backpacking around yeah. Europe. Not that it's like if I was 20, like I would be all over that, but um, I'm not. <laughs> so it's just a different target audience, I guess. Yeah, there has been a rise of what I think is called boutique hostels, or at least I call them. The Freehand in Chicago, for example, is one of them. And I've seen several others just around my travels where even though you still have the shared dorm experience, they tend to be very focused on aesthetics. They tend to make it kind of a bit of a more upscale, grown-up vibe instead of it just being a bunch of broken down bunk beds and a bottle of Jagger in the middle, which is kind of what you find in your typical youth hostel. <laughs> and let me be honest, I don't mean to scare anyone in their 20s, <laughs> but you're not going to have that sturdy back forever. <laughs> no, mortality will come for you too. Okay? As, much, as much as you don't think it will right now, I'm here to give you a piece of, of tough love. Your back is going to want something better than um, a thin mattress yep. on a shoddily framed bed. Like... <laughs> It's, it becomes more important to you. It does. Mark my words. Consider me like the ghost of the future. <laughs> Evil cackle. <laughs> so what is your most hated? My most hated? If I had, I don't think it's, couches at a friend's house are definitely not my most hated. They're my like least, least preferred option. Um, Mostly because a lot of my friends have pets and I'm super allergic to cats. Like my eyes swell shut. (laughs) Um, So it's not just like I can take a Benadryl. And I hate the feeling of putting people out. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm a grown up. I have a pretty good job. I can afford to pay for a hotel room for a night or two. And I think that people are happy you know not happy that you're not staying in their home but it just works better and often if I'm visiting like a girlfriend or something I'll invite her to come stay with me and it'll be like a 
mini vacation in her own city kind of thing. Ooh. Yeah. That is a class act. Thank <laughs> you. It all started because of the cats. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to agree. I think I've been very vocal about the fact that I'm not super into having people stay over my house, but I feel the same way about staying over at people's houses. I don't want to feel like I'm... Uh, an obstacle to what they need to do. I don't want to feel like I'm interfering with their daily life. So if I'm staying at your place, it's usually because I'm either very, very comfortable with you or I'm in a really dire situation and this is kind of the only the only way I can afford this particular trip. And it's usually fine. It's not like I dread every single second that I'm there, but I do feel exhausted by the end of my travels, which is almost the opposite of what should happen when you go on vacation. And I also feel like with if they have kids, like kids are very, they're creatures of habit. So it's disruptive to have yeah. you at their house. Like I stayed with my friends in England uh, last two summers ago, and I, my they were awesome, and I loved being there. But I stayed in a mattress in the same room where all the toys were. Oh, no. <laughs> so at 7 a.m., I would hear, like, little footsteps and, like, little hands on the door because they wanted to play with their toys. I mean, come on. And some strange lady was sleeping in their their living room, and my friends did their best to um, be like, no, 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 but you can only do so much. It's so true. And you can only expect them to do so much, like... Yeah, they're not a hotel. That's why you pay hotels. Right, right. <laughs> so once you've decided on a trip and where to go, how do you usually find a place to stay? Usually I go to Airbnb mm-hmm. and I'll look at Airbnb. I will then go to maybe TripAdvisor or Expedia and I'll compare the price of a hotel to an Airbnb. And another advantage of hotels is sometimes if you want to be in the middle of the action, they're all there, Yes, you know. Um, so I'll compare prices. I'm pretty budgety, but it depends also who I'm traveling with. Like if they're higher maintenance or like prefer certain amenities, then you have to take that into consideration. And you can also stay in nicer places because you have a bigger budget to work with. So that's I just compare a lot of websites and, and the amenities I'm looking for and the type of vacation I want and pick from that. I usually do websites too, but I will say that probably my first go-to is word of mouth. I just start asking everyone I know who's been to that location if they have any recommendations because I'm not a super patient person and I can go down the rabbit hole of TripAdvisor so quickly and just stressing myself out about what the perfect place is. So if someone can make that decision for me... I will be happy. (laughs) Right. And an endorsement is always good because you know your friends aren't being paid (laughs) to say something positive about the place. Yes. But then if for whatever reason they don't know or they, you know, word of mouth is not working out, I will also go usually to TripAdvisor. That's probably my first go-to. And I will sometimes also check out blog posts. You know, I will put something like uh, places to stay in Guatemala, budget and see what comes up and what is recommended. But that is usually it. Right, right. <laughs> when it comes. I haven't done too much Airbnb, maybe because I'm usually looking for youth hostels more than anything else since I travel a lot on my own or to places where I don't know anyone, but I might venture more mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. When you're looking into all these places, what do you take into account in terms of deciding if it's a good place for you to stay in or not? Price and location. 
Yes. Those are my two big ones. Yes. And also reviews, like TripAdvisor reviews. Yes. I will definitely uh, say a hell yes to that. Uh, Price is probably my number one, but I think location might sometimes be more important to me than price. Yes. Because I know what ends up bothering me, and it's not, for example, being able to walk to places that I want to or not being close to places that I want to see. So I am okay with paying a little bit more just to be um, closer to, you know, restaurants and sightseeing and bars and things like that. So example. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. (laughs) So I was in Jordan and I booked a room through Priceline that said it was downtown. So I didn't know. I just put in my bid. I got this. It was allegedly a four star hotel. And. It sucked. It sucked for many, many reasons, uh, which you can hear in our Jordan episode. Uh, no one was staying there. I felt like I was in The Shining. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was staffed by hospitality students who were just, like, practicing their English and really... Mm-hmm. They're learning. I respect that, but I didn't know that going in. And it wasn't downtown. I had to walk. They wouldn't call a cab for me. Um, There's no Uber. So I had to walk for three blocks, flag down a taxi from a highway in a country where I don't speak the language and I stick out a lot and just pray (laughs) that I would get to where I was going. And it was it was horrible. And everyone I encountered was like, why are you staying there? Because it was so in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so, so few amenities and I just had to answer Priceline and I haven't used them since. Yeah. Those are things that can really put a damper on a trip. Not everywhere has great public transportation. Not everywhere has safe cabs or taxis. So sometimes you really actually want to be within walking distance of everything. And speaking of dampers, it was raining most of the time I stayed there. <laughs> so it's a big, like for me, it's a big testament to the, the Jordanian people that everybody helped me. All the taxi drivers were awesome. They all tried to speak English. So it didn't wreck the trip. Right. But it was, it was a huge inconvenience. Yeah. Kathy, you seem to be way more experienced with Airbnbs than I am. And I think the first time I tried using it, I was very confused as to how things worked and what the actual price of a space was versus what was posted. In any case, would you like to clarify how Airbnb works or give any tips? Sure. So I get what you're saying about the prices. What you do with Airbnb, in case you don't know, is you put in your city or your you know, town or wherever you're staying, you put in the dates, uh, you put in your price range, and you can pick if you want a whole apartment or house or a private room in someone else's apartment or house, and th- those are your filters. So you put in your filters and all your options come up and you see the various prices. So... What Inez was referring to was if you you see a price, it's one eighty a night, but then you click on it and it's like one sixty. Yeah. So it's really important to click on the place to get an accurate price for the time period you're selecting. I don't know why it even does that. I mean, is there anything 
that makes you choose one Airbnb over another? Let's say that the prices are the same and the locations are more or less the same. How do you make that decision? I go by reviews. Like I, people are pretty honest on Airbnbs. I know that Amazon has had problems because they discovered most of their reviews were paid. Or pe- Shocking. Yes. Or people were compensated with free product. But I feel like Airbnb is more genuine. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at reviews. And you hosts also review you. So you review them. And once you review them, they can review you. So I have quite a few, not to brag, um, oh. <laughs> but I have quite a few good reviews. So when hosts see me, they know that they're not going to get someone who's going to throw a rave or a sex party. Um, Which has happened. Right? I'm not just making that up. Um, Or destroy their stuff. So you would decide basically on who has better reviews if you were within two places that were more or less the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And I've had really, I've had nothing but positive experiences. There was one sort of iffy place in Culebra, Puerto Rico, where we just got a weird, weird vibe from the owners um, I was traveling with a friend of mine, and the home was very Christian, and we we kind of got the impression that the woman thought we were sleeping together, and she was very, very cold right. toward us. Like you guys are living in sin. Exactly. Exactly. her roof. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of judgment in Airbnb. Like, there have been recent cases where yeah. owners or, like, people who are renting rooms rent less to black people like see a black face and all of a sudden things are unavailable yes but then that same person will let's say change his profile picture from what he you know from his real face to let's say that of a generic white man and all of a sudden the place is available right which racism aside (laughs) um depending on the cancellation uh cancellation um policy which each owner sets some are very flexible and some are very severe well you'll be penalized if you cancel um you have to look at that Mm -hmm. and also they can cancel on you so um they may post available dates you may book everything but then the owner can cancel on you and you're kind of screwed yeah oh, I have an Airbnb coming up and that thought hadn't even crossed my mind. So I'll just keep crossing my fingers now. It's never happened to me. Okay, so you know. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Ciderbox. What's Ciderbox? Ciderbox is a subscription service. They deliver hard-to-find American fine cider right to your door. Each month, they spotlight a single maker, they visit them at their orchard, they learn about how they make cider, and then they ship the bottles directly to your home. You can pick the size that works for you. Three bottles, a half case of six bottles, or a full case of 12 bottles. Now, Inez and I are both single ladies, so you'd think we'd pick the three. But let's be realistic. We need the 12. Right? Each bottle is 750 milliliters, which, in case you didn't know, is a full-size wine bottle. And the cool thing is that most of these ciders cannot be found outside their region. So if you want to learn more about cider and how Ciderbox can make your life better, (laughs) go to ciderbox.com. Note, there's no E in cider, just sparkly, fruity goodness. C-I-D-R-B-O-X dot com. So you kind of mentioned this, the fact that you are an outstanding guest in Airbnb, which leads me to this very important question. 
What tips can we give people for being a good guest when they're staying at someone else's house? Because you think common sense would be enough, but it actually isn't. Well, my advice in this and in life <laughs> is don't be a jerk. Like words to live by. Words to live by. Treat it like it's your home. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't steal stuff. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Number one, don't steal stuff. <laughs> number, number two, don't destroy stuff. Don't have a big party and leave their couch all stained. You know, it's just, it's, you're right. It's common sense. And I don't know how to break it down any further. <laughs> yes, I agree. Don't do anything your mom would yell at you about is a pretty good way of looking at it. I will also say, because maybe this is not as intuitive, that don't assume your host is going to stop their life for you. Right. This is the part that drives me crazy, and it doesn't happen with everyone, but it's happened enough times to where I feel I need to say this. You're a guest in their home, but they're not your actual tour guide. Right. So I make it a point to not expect them to join me in everything, not expect them to necessarily guide me around. If they want to come along, that is totally up to them. But they are not on vacation. But to be fair, <laughs> that is another thing that is noted in the reviews. Like you can tell the people who are really who really want to hang out with you by the reviews. Like, well, Todd gave us a tour in his car and made us dinner and gave us all these guidebooks as opposed to the ones who are like, this was a great place to stay. Oh, yes, but I'm talking like beyond Airbnb to when you're staying with a friend or with family members or anything like that. Very true. Yes. Very true. Um, Because I've had several people come over and then the next day, the first day they're there, they'll expectedly look at me like, what are we doing today? And I'm like, I have to work. I have to do laundry. I have groceries. (laughs) I have things to do. I'm not on vacation with you guys. Which I guess it's a personal philosophy because (laughs) I'm like, we're going to the top of the John Hancock Center. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But I also have friends who don't have those expectations, I guess, Mm -hmm. who are self-sufficient. Like, my favorite travel buddy, Alexis, I remember one day I was like, I have to work. Here's a list of stuff you should see. Here are the L stops you should get off at to see those things. And she was fine. But because I know she's a self-sufficient grown-up, choose who you host wisely would be another tip. I agree. And there are people who I host with open arms. They usually tend to be my very close friends and a few blood relatives. And there are others who I've just decided to shut the door. Yeah. (laughs) So on another note, or the flip side of this is, what do you think makes a good host? Because you're a good host. I I like to think so. Yeah. And I'm a good house guest because I just go out and do stuff. Right. Um, as I'm sure you are too. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what makes a good host? You mean like just person to person or like Airbnb host? No, or? no. Just person to person. Um, you have to be available. Like it's a lot to expect your host to go hang out at the Sears Tower with you, but it's not a lot to expect a response to a text like, which way do I go on the red line, north or south? You know, so be available as much as you can. One thing where I often fail is (laughs) I don't keep a lot of food in my house because, I don't know, I just don't. (laughs) Um, So I always make a point to stock like, 
oatmeal and snacks and fruit and stuff like that in case people are hungry. Uh, be inclusive. Like, if you're going out, <laughs> don't be like, well, I have this thing. See right. ya. <laughs> um, if it's possible, like, bring them along because they will see the local culture, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know I come off as a curmudgeon when it comes to hosting, but I like, but I think part of it is because I do try to be a good host. So it's a lot of pressure on me. And it's what kind of you said, be helpful more than anything. Realize that they're in a new place and you might need to explain things like a fifth grader or completely from scratch. I also make it a point to really bring them to locations that they haven't even thought about. For example, my best friend from Peru came to visit with her boyfriend who's from Spain. They don't have a ton of knowledge about, you know, the history of comedy in the United States because that isn't their culture. But I thought it was important to them to go to Second City. And they went and they saw it and loved it. And they both told me it was something I would have never, ever thought to have done because in our mind... Comedy is a TV show in New York. Like, we had no idea there was a tradition and history behind it. So doing things like that, as touristy as it sounds to Americans, but it's not for a lot of people abroad, um, really opened their eyes. I also like to make, like, I'll be the one to make the reservations. Like, especially if they want to go to, like, uh, more upscale places where reservations have to be made a long time out. Once you confirm your your visit, it's like, where do you want to go? And I will, I'm happy to make restaurant reservations or give suggestions. Just local insider knowledge. Yeah. I think that's also where being a host really comes to life is like restaurants and bars. Yes. Because if it wasn't for you, they'd probably be stuck in some hellhole in Times Square. Let's right. face it. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, just one more note on being a good guest. And I can't believe I even have to say this, but if you don't like the city you're visiting, don't start complaining until after you leave. Exactly. And don't complain to me. <laughs> exactly. And don't complain to me. There is something that is kind of very offensive about visiting someone's home and then, excuse my French, shitting on it. And that extends to the city and hometown that they live in. Oh, New Yorkers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Although I do have to say, New Yorkers are some of my favorite guests to host. Because they think they're going to come here and school you, like school little bumpkin Chicagoans. And then they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe the real estate you have. And you have all this stuff, too. Everything we have in New York, but for half the price. Right. And you just sit there sipping tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we won't talk. We have quite a few listeners in New York, so. We we'll, do. We'll, we'll stop. And I love them. And right? I love New York. Right. Um, so let's talk about the good stuff. What are some of your favorite hotels, guest houses, hostels, etc. that you've been to? Um, okay, so I don't know if it exists anymore, mm -hmm. but in Buenos Aires, there's this place. It's called Giorgio's Hostel. And, oh, I have two in Buenos Aires. I had great, great experiences there. Giorgio is a man from Sicily, mm. and he has a sister... A sister accommodation in Sicily, but at the time I went, which was a long time ago, so this information might be dated, <laughs> um, the hostel was run by two sisters who worked in the movie industry in Argentina. Ooh, which has a very robust movie industry. And it was right after Motorcycle Diaries. Yeah. And one of them had been responsible for weathering the leather coats 
that Che Guevara wore because they had to look like he'd been on a motorcycle for months. Right. So she talked about doing this to 40 jackets, like taking rocks and scraping them against the leather to make them look like weathered. And the, the sisters were also super duper friendly. They were they were fun, but it was friendly. You could tell they worked there, and they could read people to be like, "All right, she just wants to hang out by herself," right. you know. But the, they extended lots of invitations, took us to cool places, so that was a good one. And also, my second experience in Argentina, which I know exists for a fact, is called Yira Yira Guest House. Y R A Y R A, and. The common thing about these two places were that they were just apartments, like beautiful apartments, and you had your own bedroom in each of the apartments. So the thing that made the year a year a guest house awesome was the owner. Her name is Paz. She speaks awesome English, and I know that's like, that's a stupid, denigrating <laughs> thing to say, like, your English is so good. Um, but I know people are concerned about yeah. that when they're abroad. So um, she was great. She, like, could tell you exactly what to do. She was super friendly. I can't say enough about how welcome she makes her her guests feel. Once, so she was in her bedroom, and I was, like, hanging out in my bedroom, and I heard the Simpsons theme, and I was like, Paz, are you watching the Simpsons? (laughs) And she was like, how do you think I learned my English? So I was like, quality source. (laughs) Um... So that was, and the apartment is beautiful. It's right in the Recoleta uh, neighborhood, so it is in in the hub of things. So those are the two that jump out at me. Yeah, I also have two that I've been to recently because, in all honesty, a bunch, I don't know if the ones I've been to before that I enjoyed still exist. So the first one is um, Hotel Casa del Mundo in Guatemala and Lake Atitlan. This is a hotel, although it feels less of a sterile hotel than it does just a beautiful kind of boutique inn. It's built right on the cliffs of Lake Atitlan, which is this huge lake in Guatemala. The rooms themselves are beautiful. It's very affordable um, per night. And the best thing about it Not only that it's a beautiful location and so relaxing and secluded, but they have a fantastic restaurant and every night they have family style dinners. So you actually get to sit down with the other guests in the hotel and talk and interact over a lovely meal. So even though it's a standard hotel in the sense that it's not a youth hostel or anything like that, you actually meet a lot of the guests through this way. And everyone is super friendly You can swim right off of it. They have snorkeling gear, just all around great place. And ladies of the straight variety, Oscar Isaac stayed there a couple of days before I went to Guatemala. What? Which just causes me great pain because obviously if we had been there at the same time, we would be desperately in love right now. Oh, but he was there and they took a little video of him strumming his guitar and singing to the dinner guests. Oh, my gosh. I know this is so dreamy and soon worthy. So I'm just saying you need to keep a tab on this place for next time Oscar Isaac goes. So that is one. And then my second is Hotel San Jose in Austin, Texas, which is a boutique hotel. It's kind of expensive, but I splurged for my birthday when I went there two years ago. 
It has a nice little pool. It's centrally located. The rooms are very nice. And they have a great bumping, trendy bar that has a patio area. So even though, again, it is kind of a, an adult hotel, if you will, you can sit on those tables outside and pretty much make conversation with both the guests and the people who just go to the bar because they like it. Ooh, I have news. Ooh. Giorgio's house still exists. Yay! And it has five stars on TripAdvisor. So there you go. So hit that. Ooh, if I'm staying in fancy hotels, fancy meaning, I don't even, fancy meaning not a hostel. Right. (laughs) Um, I will stay at Kimpton's. I love Kimpton's. They're beautiful. They are gorgeous. So when I was in San Francisco, it was called the Hotel Palomar. It looks like it has been rebranded, but it's just, I love their amenities. I love their like zebra print robes <laughs> i have a picture with my sister-in-law where we all have we happen to have um, a bunch of single dollar bills and i was in the zebra print ro- robe and she was in the leopard print robe and we just tossed our like 20 dollars in the air <laughs> <laughs> and my, my brother was like what are you doing with my wife <laughs> like, but um i've also stayed at a kimpton in dc in DuPont Circle, which was really great. They're just, they have champagne happy hours. The one in D.C. had a champagne happy hour. The one in San Francisco, because it was so close to Napa, had a wine happy hour every day at 5 o'clock. Um, and just uh, the amenities and the service. And the fact that they're all unique. Like, they're all kind of quirky. Yes. And they tend to be in really good locations, too. So if I'm going to splurge, I'm going to look at Kimpton first. Besides Jordan, do you have any other horror stories, Kathy? I don't know. That was pretty horrible. (laughs) Anything that tops that? (laughs) Um, When I was just out of college and living in Japan, we stayed at really yucky hostels because I lived in a in a farm city a very rural city um so we would often go to Kyoto or Osaka or Nagoya to stay so we stayed in some pretty grungy hostels my okay this is my worst I just thought of it (laughs) so I think it was in Tokyo we all took a trip to Tokyo and we decided to stay in the capsule hotels like the businessmen do oh yeah yeah so a capsule hotel it's basically the size of you can sleep in it, you can't sit up in it, or you can sit up in it, you can't stand mm-hmm. in the capsule. So it's like your little bubble. Mm. Um, they have TVs, coin-operated TVs, which have a lot of porn on them because it's a businessman's hotel. Excellent. And, <laughs> and a lot of them are divided into ladies' floors and men's floors, which is pretty normal in Japan. So we decided to stay in this capsule hotel just for the experience, and it turned out a lot of women who work in Tokyo or work in Tokyo during the week stay there, like basically live there during the week. And so people had like shelves in their oh my god in their capsules and like had decorated them. Like I kind of liken it to like your locker in yeah. high school. Like, they had been there a long time, and there was one lady who we called the sloth <laughs> because she was, she would sleep all day and she would emerge from her capsule, like, go get some dinner because they have cafeterias, they have communal bathrooms, and come back. And we never saw her leave besides, like, to get dinner 
or to like go use the bathroom. It was the weirdest thing. And I got horribly sick. I remember I got horribly, horribly sick on that trip just because you're breathing all the recycled air from people who... (laughs) Who might never leave the capsule. So it was an experience. I probably wouldn't do it again, but it was weird. That just sounds really claustrophobic to me. It was super claustrophobic. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, like from a bad dream, you can't sit all the way up or you're going to hit your head. Ah, (laughs) That does sound like a nightmare. And they were like um, two rows, like stacked on top of each other. Oh my God. So yeah, it may sound glamorous, but it wasn't. No. I just have a standard, really disgusting hostel story. We got super late into Saigon on my backpacking trip around Southeast Asia. We had reservations at one place, which I can't even remember. But because we missed the actual check-in time, they had just given up our room to someone else and suggested their sister hostel across the street. Of course, we go there, and it's basically an abandoned building with only a really surly receptionist we get just a room for one night because there was no way in hell we wanted to stay there for the rest of the week and the room had like one bed and nothing else and we could hear kind of the the skitter scatter of insects across the floor i was with my uh, boyfriend at the time and neither of us could sleep a whole wink we were just like holding on to each other for dear life being like we will survive this and just swatting imaginary things or maybe real things off our bodies it was so gross i have a weird vietnam story too <laughs> so in vietnam i don't know it was a long time ago as all my stories are today apparently <laughs> um you can take a network of buses like to different cities it's just like a train system except instead of switching lines you just switch buses um in the next city and find the bus that's going the direction where you want to go so the scam is to arrive in cities at two in the morning when your resistance is down and you haven't slept and to say oh we're all gonna stay at this hotel and it's you know the driver's buddy's hotel and we're going to charge you twice as much because you're too tired to <laughs> protest. So that didn't, they underestimated <laughs> our exhaustion and our refusal to protest. So it was me, three other women, and one man who came to study Buddhism who were like, no, we are not <laughs> staying here. So we walked around, it was Hoi An. So we walked around Hoi An at two in the morning trying to find another place and actually ended up in a very lovely, uh, cheaper accommodation. So it worked out in the end, but like the getting to the hotel was a nightmare. Yeah. But other than that, Vietnam is lovely. Yes. 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 (laughs) So just to finish up, there are other options we haven't even talked about. For example, couch surfing or exchanging your homes or doing a work away, which is where you work at a location and in exchange you get free free room and board. Is this something you would consider doing or have ever done? Oh, no. I have have not done it. I would not do it. I work 40 hours a week. Right. (laughs) And I'm at the point... I could see, I could have seen myself doing it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the point where, like, I'm on vacation to vacation and I will work hard, like, hoofing it through a city and yeah. <laughs> finding things to do, but I'm not going to pick apples. Right. Uh-uh. <laughs> I think I would do a work away if I was taking an extended leave, something that's, you know, above 
three months. Uh, there's no way in hell I will do couch surfing. If, for those of you who don't know, if you go on couchsurfing.com, Couchsurfing is basically a network of travelers. Uh, travelers will open their homes for you for free and offer you their couch, but you also have to do the same. So it's completely free. There's no money involved, but the idea is that it's reciprocal. I will not have some random stranger sleeping on my couch. I don't care how free it is. Well, and I hear, like, this is just hearsay because I've also never done couch surfing. I've heard positive stories and I've heard negative stories, but just... The negative stories are too negative. It's like basically sexual assault stories. Oh, man. Right. Yeah. So by male trap, well, I guess it could happen. To anyone. <laughs> to anyone. But um, I've only heard them from the female perspective, and it sounds scary. Like, not only are you sexually assaulted, but you have no place to go. You more than likely don't know anybody. Yeah. Um, it just it sounds too dicey to me. And I guess, like, there are defenders about how back in the day it was a closer, smaller community and people were better vetted. But that's just a risk I don't want to take. And I'm, I fully know that stuff happens in hotels. Right. Stuff happens in Airbnbs. Like, if the owners want to come do something, they have your keys. Yeah. But for some reason, I feel more protected in those situations. Yes, I, I agree. I, I don't know. It all sounds really sketchy and dicey to me. I mean, I feel uncomfortable going to a friend's house for many reasons, let alone a stranger's house. Like, I think the furthest... I would take the couch surfing, like, for someone to come in my home, it's a friend of a friend. Yes. Like, my friend's in town for a job interview. Can they stay on your couch? And I would be fine with that. But um, any further degree than that, I'm not comfortable. I agree. So, to recap, let's do our top five tips for accommodations. So, tip number five. I don't know if you're going to agree with this one. Okay. Book early. Oh, I agree with it. I just never practiced it. But yes, book early so you can get the best deals, rates, and availability. <laughs> Tip number four, find out what your budget is and how you prioritize location before hitting the book button. Tip number three, look at what is happening in the city during the time you want to book because that really influences the availability and price of rooms. Example, a friend and I went this summer to Las Vegas and found out we went from Wednesday to Sunday and on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the rates skyrocketed, which was weird because it was off-peak in Las Vegas. Turns out there was an MMA fight, and all the fight fans were flooding into <laughs> Vegas. So Vegas wasn't cheap for us. Still fun, but um, <laughs> had we researched more, we probably would have picked another weekend. Tip number two, once you're there, behave like a human being, and you will probably be treated better. This means to be a good guest, whether it's a hotel or on your friend's couch. Number one, if you're traveling with a friend, figure out your budget, figure out the amenities you want, and figure out the location where you would like to be in. That's very important that you're in agreement, at least on those three things. So that has been it about accommodation. If you like us, please subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Podbeans. And if you love us, please leave a review. It helps a lot. You can find us on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, we are at XXWillTravel. And on Facebook, it's real easy. You just put it in the search. 
<laughs> and we will show up. We also have a website, xxwilltravel.com. Please visit and subscribe to our newsletter, which will go out once a month, just giving you our latest news, updates, and more travel tips and accommodations and other things. And who doesn't want that? Exactly. In the meantime, though, go forth and travel. Thank、you